Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 742. We'll look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Let's read the passage. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another of his disciples said, First let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this Gospel to encourage people to place their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. He's writing this primarily to a Jewish audience, and his desire is for them to come to faith in Christ. Matthew's presented the teaching, preaching, and healing ministry of Jesus. He covered a lot of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And now he's in the section of healing. It's nine miracles in three groups of three. We've already covered the first group of three, where in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he healed the leper. Then in verses 5 through 13, he healed the centurion servant. Then in verses 14 and 15, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Then had that little section in verses 16 and 17, where there was just some extra healing going on in Capernaum. Now we're in a little section, it's basically it's a little interlude. Then he'll get back into the miracles. So we often title this section, verses 18 to 22, as the cost of discipleship. And we have two potential followers of Jesus approach him. So verse 18, when Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. So we've seen this distinction, saw it already in the Sermon on the Mount, the distinction between disciples and the crowd. So he's got his disciples with him and the crowd around him. And he sees the crowd, and he gives the order to who? To the disciples to go to the other side of the sea. Now, remember, we're talking the Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. It's eight miles wide and 13 miles long. He's on the northeast corner of it near Capernaum. He says, let's go to the other side. It's eight miles straight across. Now, they're going to get into a storm, so they'll end up somewhere on the other side, but they can't go that far. The other side of the lake is an area called the Decapolis. It's a group of Greek city-states that are more or less self-governing, definitely a non-Jewish area. So it's almost like they're going to a foreign country because they're leaving a Jewish area. They're in Galilee on the area of Capernaum and going to the other side to a non-Jewish area. And it's to get away from the crowd. So verse 19, a scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, interesting thing here is a scribe. A scribe are those who are experts in the law. And they are teachers of the law. Usually the scribes, but not always, are referred to in a fairly negative way. As uh, later he'll pronounce the woe on the scribes and Pharisees. Earlier, he had said, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. So scribes are usually looked at kind of negatively just because they're the ones opposing Jesus. 
But here we have someone who wants to be a follower of Jesus. The scribe approached him and said, teacher. Now, whenever somebody addresses Jesus as teacher in Matthew, it's not always the same in the other Gospels, but in Matthew, when somebody calls him teacher, it's somebody from outside Jesus' inner group. Except twice, Judas will use that title, and we know where Judas stands. But it's interesting that the scribe uses that because the scribe is a teacher of the law. And so the scribe approaches him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. So he seems eager to follow Jesus. Jesus tells him in verse 20, Foxes have dens, the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So what's he basically saying here? So, okay, you're eager to follow me, but you really know what you're getting into. We're getting in this boat, heading to the other side of this lake, to a non-Jewish area. I've kind of had a home base here in Capernaum, Peter's house. Have home base in Nazareth, but where we're going, we don't have a home base. We're going to be leading an itinerant type of lifestyle. Are you ready for that? We will not even be as well housed as wild animals. Foxes, they have holes to live in. Birds, they have nests to live in. We don't have any of that when we leave here. Are you really ready for that? So it was a challenge to him as he counted the cost of discipleship. Now, is the scribe already a disciple and wants to go with Jesus to the other side of the lake? Or is he part of the crowd? Let's continue and look at verse 21. Lord, another of his disciples said, first let me go bury my father. So the implication there is that the scribe is classified as a disciple because of another of his disciples. So disciples are just distinct from the crowd in that they're already somewhat attached to Jesus. Now, he's not talking just the twelve He's talking a, a group of people who are wanting to follow him. So this one says, first, let me go bury my father. Well, there's two ways to take this. One, my father has died. And after I deal with the arrangements of his burial, I will follow you. Well, burial was done within 24 hours of somebody dying. And some people point out, well, if his father's died in the last 24 hours, he's not going to be hanging out with Jesus. He's going to be back dealing with that already. Others say, well, it's really just a euphemism for let me take care of my old father until he dies. So we could be talking years. So I want to follow you, but not until I can make those kind of arrangements after the death of my father. Jesus' response Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So what he means by this is the spiritually dead, that is, those who are not followers of Jesus, bury the physically dead. Now, some things to point out here. One, back in verse 20, he says, The Son of Man has no place to lay his head on. What's he mean here? This is the first occurrence of the Son of Man. And the Son of Man occurs 81 times in the Gospels, 30 times in Matthew. And whenever the Son of Man is used, it's used by Jesus referring to himself. There's two places where it's not Jesus saying it, but it's people quoting Jesus. Or remember when Jesus said the Son of Man? And so 
it's it's always the way Jesus refers to himself, the Son of Man. Nobody else seems to refer to him that way. And there's basically the scholars have put three categories of usage. One is referring to an end times usage, an apocalyptic usage of the Son of Man who comes at the end of the age. Another is reference to his suffering and dying. So you see this the Son of Man as the one who suffers and dies. And, and others just in his earthly ministry, almost as a substitute for I. That's the way it's used here. He's basically saying, I have no place to lay my head. So my kind of a third person way of referring to himself. Well, what's it mean? There's a lot of debate on this. Most of it points back to the book of Daniel. And Daniel's big prophecy, Daniel 7, in verses 13 and 14, you have the someone like the Son of Man. There's been this, these four kingdoms. And then in chapter 7, verse 9, the Ancient of Days takes his seat at the throne. And then down in verse 13, I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that all those of every people, nation, and language would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Well, we read that and we say, well, that's Christ. Well, question is, how did the people in the time of Jesus understand this? Did they understand the Son of Man to be the Messiah? There wasn't a universal acceptance on the interpretation of this prophecy of Daniel at the time of Jesus. Some thought it referred to the nation of Israel, but a good number of people believed it referred to the coming Messiah. Now, what did the average person think when they heard this? Don't know. Some think it was somewhat purposefully being not well understood to just lend a bit of mystery to it, and the fact that nothing else really fits to describe himself. So, we look back on it in hindsight and say, he's clearly using this section out of Daniel's prophecy, which describes him. We'll see it several times throughout the Gospels. Jesus referring him to himself as the Son of Man. A couple of places outside the Gospels, Stephen's being stoned to death in Jerusalem. He looks up in the heaven and sees the Son of Man. And then in Revelation, we'll see a couple of references to the Son of Man. I think our best understanding is Jesus is using the description from Daniel, which, you know, for us, looking back, perfectly describes it. So it is a, a perfect description of him. So the section here, this is just these few little verses tucked in here in this group of miracles. And the miracles are showing Jesus's authority. And here it's showing this call to discipleship. The one man is eager. I want to follow you. And Jesus says, do you really want to follow me? Do you know what that's going to cost? The other one's maybe under eager. I want to follow you, but not till the time is right. Now, question, did either or both of them actually follow Jesus? And he doesn't tell us. 
It almost sounds like they were turned away, but that wasn't the case. The, the scribe says, I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, you really know what you're getting into? And that's the end of it. And the other one, he says, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, follow me and let the bed, dead bury the dead. Did he or did he not? Well, that's not the point. Matthew's not telling a story about how Jesus went around and gathered his followers. The point that Matthew is making here is the cost of discipleship. That being a disciple of Jesus is costly. It's difficult. It requires commitment. It must be the first priority. So that's the point that Matthew is making. It's not the story about the guys. It's the answers that Jesus gives is that being a disciple of Jesus is a big deal and it is a difficult path to follow. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue looking at Matthew.